My name is Brandon, and I am the executive pastor at Renaissance Church. Good morning to you all. I'm excited to continue the sermon series, man. Galatians, rediscovering the gospel. That's what we're talking about. As Giselle just beautifully read, we will be in Galatians chapter 3. Before we dive into chapter 3, I do want to back up a little bit and read some more Bible for you, as if you didn't just get enough. Verse 16 of chapter 2 says this, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Today's message, I want to talk to you about what it means to be justified by faith in Christ. And I'm going to pray. Lord God, we need you. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy because we are sinners in need of you. God, I pray that your word, broken open today and and read and belabored, would fall on good soil. And that those seeds would grow into much fruit in Harlem as it is. In heaven. Amen. So I wanted to read you that first verse in Galatians 2 because it is on that basis. It is on the basis you are justified by faith in Christ that Paul says what he says in Galatians 3. You know, we have been going through the book of Galatians, which is a a great book. One of, I mean, I don't know if you should have favorite books of the Bible. It's one of my favorites. And we, we see Paul saying that he delivered the gospel to the Galatians. He told them, you're justified by faith. We see that in Galatians 1. And then it's on this basis that he says what he says. Oh, foolish Galatians, you see his, his energy he's coming with in Galatians 3, but he's specifically calling them to remember this concept. You are justified by faith in Christ because they seem to have forgotten And so if we're going to talk today about what that means, I need to define some things for you. So stick with me as I give you some definitions before we dive into our normal discourse and discussion. We need to define what that really means because when you say the words faith and you say the words justified, those can mean all sorts of different things depending on the context. But when the Bible says faith, what it specifically means is Confidence in the character of Jesus. Faith is confidence in the character of Jesus. And when the Bible says justified, what it means is simply God calls you valid. God looks at you and he calls you valid in his eyes and in his courts and in his kingdom. You are valid. And so what it means to be justified by faith means that when you put your confidence in Jesus Christ, the God of everything, calls you valid. 
Whereas our sin, that is our disobedience to God, that is what sin means. Whereas the sin we're all born into invalidates us before God, separates us from God. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, once and for all, regained your validity so that when you trust him, you are valid once more in God's eyes, valid in his courts. Ain't that good? You know, when I first heard that truth, I didn't grow up consistently going to church at least. Shout out to my National Baptist Convention and AME Zion roots in my family, but We didn't really go to church too frequently, but when I came to understand the gospel for the first time, this idea that Jesus, faith in Jesus justifies me, I immediately thought a couple things. There was this person literally sharing the gospel with me on my college campus, and I thought that I knew what Christians were all about, and here he's presenting something completely different. You're justified by faith. I thought Christians was like, you know, everybody is just kind of giving back and everybody thinks they're real good. And I'm not like that. So I'm definitely not going to go do that. And the first thing I thought, though, when I heard justified by faith was, but you don't know what I've done. You know what I'm saying? Like people like me don't just get forgiven by God easily because I've done some terrible, terrible things. And so surely what you're telling me right now, this like justified by faith in Jesus, there has to be, that might be good enough for like y'all, like you seem like you're a person of goodwill and maybe you just need a little bit of Jesus to get you, you know, from here to there to God. But me, I'm going to need like a lot and then it's going to need, so that was originally what I thought. The second thing I thought was, okay, if it is faith, then how much faith? How much faith is enough faith? And so I was like, I know what I'll do. Based off of what I'm thinking, I will just do as much as I can to do as much good as I possibly can. So that in the end, if God doesn't really accept me like this man is telling me he's going to, at least it won't be because I didn't try my earnest best to right all my wrongs. And you see, this is the same mistake that the Galatians were making in chapter 3. And that is why Paul says what he says in chapter 3 when he starts off, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, meaning I preached the gospel to you very clearly. You are justified by faith in Christ. And he's calling them spiritually foolish, not intellectually foolish, meaning they seem to have forgotten. They're almost having this sort of amnesia a little bit, this worship amnesia. You know, it makes me think of a few weeks ago, Taylor Swift came to town Okay, we got this. Some people go. I heard some woos. Oh, all right. One person. Okay. Okay. I know some of y'all are like, we know Beyonce's coming to town in a couple of weeks. We say that. We saved our bread for that, you heard? <laughs> but yeah, no. They both, by the end of this month, will have performed their largest concert of the year at MetLife Stadium in Bergen County, New Jersey. And when they were there, it seems to have been a grand old time. Was it a grand old time? 
All right, it was a grand old time, Sam says. And uh, (laughs) we can ask you more about it later. And so it was such a grand old time that several, like droves of people were coming to their therapist the following week telling them that they have experienced what's now known as post-concert amnesia, where you have so much fun at a thing in this experience where you just forget large chunks of what happened when you were there. (laughs) Which, first off, yo, if I dropped, how much? Nah, I'm not going to ask you. If I had dropped, I don't know, thousands of dollars in most cases, to go to something and then I don't remember it? Nah, bro. I need my money back at least. Ain't no way. <laughs> no way. And the only way that some of these people can remember anything what happened is if they replay some of the songs or hear some of the songs that they heard when they were being a Swifty at MetLife. And then that can help them recall some of the memories And so what's happening here is the Galatians are having a worship, a post-worship amnesia, if you will. (laughs) They are, they have experienced Jesus. They have truly encountered the goodness of Jesus justified by faith in Jesus who redeems us from our sin on the cross after he resurrected from the dead. But they've forgotten Because there are people who have taught them that they need to be placing other things on top of their faith. And so here Paul writes in Galatians 3 kind of this this faith song to remind them to recall to memory the thing that he knows they once knew. You are justified by faith. Because what has happened here is they've substituted in a bunch of Jewish customs and cultural preferences back in as the means by which God calls them valid, really. You know, Pastor Jordan talked a couple weeks ago about how they were substituting back in like, oh, well, you, you have faith in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Like on top of that, or else God don't call you valid like that for real. Or you need to also do these other, you know, Jewish customs and rituals or else, like, are you really valid before God? Like, probably not because, like, God rocks with us, the Jews. And so you need to get with the cultural preferences that we have set up because that's how you really become valid before God. And so you see they have these people, these Judaizers, as Paul describes them in another place, who were placing cultural expectations on them and saying, like, these are the things you need to do to be justified. And so I want to ask you, what are the cultural expectations being placed on you right now, on top of your faith, in your work, on your block, in your group chat, what are the things being played? Like, oh, your faith is cool and all that. Like, you go to church and stuff. That's dope. Um, and you're posting about it, like, a little bit too much. But all right, we, we, we let it rock. And, like, <laughs> but really you need, like, these other things. And then you're really valid. Then you're really loved by God. You know, some of those things might be those who stand up against what you stand up against are blessed. Right, like those who have the same, those that are a part of your social or political tribe, those people are the ones that are like, we are the blessed ones. Can I bring it home? Like maybe you live in a blue part of town 
and you just look at the red part of town like they just must be all unintelligent people. Or maybe on the flip side, maybe you live in Staten Island or something, man. <laughs> Long drive here, by the way. There are lots of good churches in Staten Island. And you're like all the blue people across town. They just, they're unintelligent, oh, super unsafe. Oh, man. Like, do you think that? That is a good sign that you might be captive to the cultural preferences of people around you because place tells you how to live. The place that you live is always working to inform you how to live and what to think. And if we're not careful, we will be held captive to the cultural preferences of people around us. Here's a good litmus test. Can you name five things that your political tribe gets wrong? Or five things, your little social group, y'all be indoctrinating each other to think things in your group chat. Can you name five things you and your friends might get wrong? If not, it is quite possible that that is a good sign you are being held captive and influenced more by the cultural preferences of people around you than you are your faith. You are putting stuff on top of your faith. And, and that is why Paul gives them these barrage of questions in Galatians 3, 2 through 6, because he's kind of giving them like an eight count. If you watch boxing, a boxer gets knocked down and the referee might take a couple seconds and ask them some questions. Do you, do you remember your name? Do you, what's today's date? Uh, can you watch my finger? What round is it? Okay, because he's checking, are they ready to keep fighting? And Paul does a very similar thing here when he says, who has bewitched you? Did you receive the spirit by works of the law, by hearing with faith? Like, did you receive the Holy Spirit by pulling them in on your own sheer will? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by faith? Have you begun by faith, by the spirit, and now you're being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies, miracle, uh, supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And he even says that you suffer so many things in vain, like you were persecuted, Galatians, like there are people who don't like you, who beat you because you believe Jesus saves you. That you're justified by trusting Jesus and his character. You could have like quit a minute ago. Like, that would have been the time. Maybe you're like, you going back now just because somebody taught you something different. That's crazy. You could have been stopped. <laughs> you didn't have to suffer the persecution. And he's giving them these things because what they're doing is they're substituting things in. Is it those who stand up against what I stand up against are really blessed? Not just those of faith. Or we might also think those with the right amount of determination and consistency, they're blessed, really, because that's what you really need. You got to seize the day. You know what I'm saying? You got to have the right amount of determination and consistency, and then you're blessed. And I know I struggle with this one, man. I really, deep down, I believe that if I am able to just exert enough effort then I'll be valid in every realm. I'll be valid at work. I'll be valid at home. And surely I'll be valid before God because I tried really, really hard. And that was what really got me there. It was faith, but my determination really, though. 
got me there. And this is the same mistake the Galatians are making. And, and here's the thing. If your determination is what validates you, then every time you mess up, you don't, it's, it's not just a mistake. You have invalidated yourself before God now, right? If, if your determination and your sheer will and consistency is what really gets you there, every time you mess up, it, that it, it is, there is a crushing amount of weight on you. And I know that I do this because I'm my worst critic, man. Before anybody ever could say anything about something that I did wrong, I am telling myself, yo, you're a joke, like an embarrassment. That was so lame, like cornball. Like, what do you, <laughs> that was so whack. But that's because I rely too heavily, and maybe some of you do too, too heavily on our own sheer will and determination. But doing that, relying on my own sheer will is certainly a key ingredient in the recipe for anxiety and despair. It cannot be that it's just me. And that's why he says that in verse 3, like, did you? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You began by faith in Jesus, but now like sheer will and determination and hard work is going to get you there? It's not. Whatever you may be able to substitute in for faith in Galatians 3, 7, and 9, the crooks of it is this. We are prone to believe that it is those with the right amount of faith that are blessed or the right type of faith are really blessed because we're prone to drifting to think that faith plus something else, fill in the blank, equals justification. We think faith plus right thinking or faith plus being a part of the right tribe or having the right resources or having the right health or having the right relationship or having all the right, right things, the right amount of something else plus faith equals God calls me valid. But I love how Paul puts it in verse 7. He just says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So then those of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And he doesn't quantify how much faith for us. He just says faith. And he brings up Abraham's faith specifically because the Judaizers were teaching them using Abraham as a figure to say, look at Abraham and all the great things he has done. You should be like him. God said, go in Genesis 12. And he got up and he took everything he had and he went, look how obedient. You should be like that. He had everybody in his family circumcised. You should be like that. You should follow the same customs. And then you're valid before God. But Paul just says and corrects them, no. Abraham was not a man of great character. He did some dirty stuff. Abraham was a man of faith. And he doesn't even say that Abraham was a man of great faith or a man of abundant faith. or a man of, No, a man of faith. And those of faith are blessed along with him. Those of faith are children of Abraham, meaning sons, children, daughters of God. But we're prone to believing very differently than that. We're prone to believing faith plus something else equals justification because 
Here's what we've done. We have God's economy all out of order. Because our world is commodified. And then so what we do is then we turn to then commodify our faith as well. Because everything is for sale. Everyone is for sale. It's only a matter of how much. How, mu- how much money do I need to spend to get to that place? How much time do I need to give to earn that degree? How much love do I need to give to receive love back from my romantic interests? It's only a matter always of how much in our world today. Everything is for sale. You can literally pay someone to stay in line for you. That's wild. You can pay someone line standing service to wait in line at the Shakespeare Theater for you for 10 hours and then you just show up to get into the thing. You can commit a heinous crime. And if you're in the right place with the right amount of money, you can pay to have an upgraded jail experience. (laughs) You can go downtown to a restaurant that's fully booked and reserved, but if you find the right person and slip the right amount of money in their pocket, see if they can't find you a table for two tonight. You can pay for concierge health care. We've taken a basic human right and said, like, no, no, no. If you have more money, actually, you can have more health more easily. You can pay for advertising space on somebody's forehead. I'm not joking. Look it up. In New Zealand, you can make an advertisement and then pay somebody to slap said advertisement on their face and walk around with it. People's faces are for sale. Everything is for sale. It's only a matter of how much. And so then it's a natural, logical progression to then take that into our relationship with God. And we hear, oh, Galatians 2.16, great. I'm justified by faith in Christ. Cool. But how much faith? How do I know that I have enough faith? Because what we do is we think that we can work our way, we can earn our way to becoming valid and then like go public with the Jesus thing. We, we think we can work and earn our way to becoming valid and then we can put Bible verses in our IG and our thread profiles. We think we do all the work to become valid because how do you become valid in any other realm in life? You put in the work. You got to put in the work on the basketball court. Then people will be like, oh, he's valid or she's valid. You got to put in the work at work. And then people will go, yeah, they're really valid at what they do. They're great. But God undoes all of that. He, he, he doesn't just rearrange our understanding of economy and our understanding of, of love. He subverts, he overthrows it completely. And he says, no, who God says is valid is valid. And who God says is valid is everybody who trusts Jesus. So then being justified by faith is not a matter of how much do you trust, but on whom? Do you trust? Your life and relationship with God is not a matter of how grand of a performance of trust you can put on, but it's on the grand performance that Jesus Christ put on the cross and you trusting on that. It's not a matter of how much. It's a matter of on whom And that is specifically why 
Paul says in verse 7. I'm going to keep reading it for you so we don't have amnesia this morning. Amen? Those of faith are sons of Abraham. Those of faith, faithful stop, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know, Betsidi Araya, who is a budding theologian, um, I'm joking, but she is actually being baptized this morning, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dropped a bar. We were talking about baptism, and she said this, faith is not to be quantified. It is to be cultivated. And I was like, would you like to lead the rest of the class? Because <laughs> that's a bar. I don't have anything that rich to say. Um, faith is not to be quantified, it's to be cultivated. And Paul intentionally does not quantify faith in Galatians 3 because it's not a matter of how much. It's a matter of on whom. I don't have time, so I won't say that part. But the one thing I will tell you is this. I'm almost out of time. So now I'm stalling and trying to figure out where I should go next. I'll go here. So if you want to know how to become a Christian, two steps and two steps only. Don't be afraid to write it down. Step one, God calls you valid in Jesus. And step two, you finally believe it. That's it. Step one, God, 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ and his finished work, it is finished, calls you valid. Step two, you finally believe it. Your walk with God does not end there. It begins there. But at that moment, you are called valid in God's eyes and in God's courts. And that is why 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God does it. Your job is to believe it. And if you're like me, then you're natural inclination might be to respond, I do not deserve that. So it cannot be. You're right, you don't deserve it. But that's always the way that God had planned for it to be. This is literally how the people of God started. Like the idea that we are the people of God, that whole concept started in this way. Genesis 27:36 is a statement from Esau who's talking about his, little, his younger twin brother, Jacob. And he says this about Jacob. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. See, the nation of Israel would come from Jacob, so Jacob was the son of Isaac, whose name would be changed to Israel, who would have 12 sons whose 
sons would birth the entire nation of Israel who are called the people of God. So we worship the God of Israel. What what am I trying to say? What I'm saying to you is this. The whole idea that you would be called a child of God or God's beloved or that you would be made valid before God, that you would be called the people of God started with someone who did the wrong thing and received the blessing he didn't deserve. So we worship the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the God of a people who are only even a people because they received a blessing that wasn't due to them. And that is the gospel. It has always been the case that God calls you valid. God loves you in Jesus Christ despite you, not because of you. And that is what... Galatians 3, 8, we we see too many times we overcomplicate the gospel by narrowing it down to some specific, like, speech or some announcement. The gospel is simply Jesus made clearly Savior of the world. And that's why we see Galatians 3, 8 present the gospel as, in you all the nations are blessed, Abraham. Simply in you, all the nations are blessed. The last thing I'll say is this. You know, two months ago, there was an 86-year-old man by the name of W.P. is how he goes. And he walked into the Attleboro Public Library in Attleboro, Massachusetts, and he had a little pep in his belabored step that day because he was clearing his conscience. He, he walked down the aisle, and it was quiet. No one was there. There were three people standing at the front desk, and he walks down, and as he's approaching the desk, he says, I want to apologize for my tardiness. You know, at this age, I just wanted to clear my conscience. And he hands them a copy of George Orwell's dystopian novel entitled 1984. And the people sitting at the desk just marvel at it. They gather, they look at the book. They don't say anything to WP and they're just flipping through the pages because the book that they've been handed is older than all of them sitting there. And so still silent, he breaks the silence again and says, well, I'm sure my fine must be really great. So let me know what I owe because the book he handed to them was 65 years past due. 1984 was supposed to be like a future novel. It came out in like the 50s, 60s. 65 years. And after breaking the silence that time, they finally looked up at him and said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. WP. We instituted a policy not too long ago, and well, because you've brought the book back in good faith, your fine is zero dollars. You know, being justified by faith is a lot like a library with without late fines, as long as you bring the book back, God's aisle is easy to walk down. But you know, we make all sorts of excuses as to why we can't return the book. Ah, it'll be embarrassing. Ah, it's just been so long. I mean, it's better just keep things the way they are, right? Oh, and mate, the fine will probably be more than I could even bear. So like, why try? I'm terrible. 
You know, we expect God to, to respond like, 65 years, sir, you're, you're an embarrassment to yourself and everyone who loves you. But no, God instead responds, I'm glad you returned. Your fine is zero dollars. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you that in Jesus, you love us dearly. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy that is fresh for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.